glad that you're here. Invite you to be back and worship with us at every opportunity that you have. We have the title of the lesson this morning, I Doubt That. I found myself uh, saying this statement more and more, it seems like in the last few years, um, than in time past. You know, probably because of all the media buzz and different things we hear about uh, viruses and uh, elections and things like that, I just find myself making that statement, well, I doubt that. <laughs> I don't believe it. Uh, and, and many of the information that we get that's around us. You know, there's a very amazing and alarming statistics that we uh, can come across on different subjects and different things. And a lot of that's about college students, young age, college age adults. And we're told that about 60% of those college freshmen that enter in and call themselves Christians, by the time that they get through college, they'll reject their faith. 60%. Of about 65% of 18 to 22-year-olds during this time period uh, of their life will, that attend church regularly, during the time that they're in college, they'll stop. And a lot of them won't regain. They won't start attending church again. So these are very alarming uh, statistics that we see. And the top reason that is given behind why they quit going to church or why they reject their faith is commonly in all these surveys is unanswered or unresolved doubt. They doubt. This, this is a, a very common issue, a very common problem. Not only should this be a very huge and alarming concern for each and every one of us here today, um, many of you are parents that have kids in this age group or going to before long. And it's a time that often that college kids are uh, questioned about their faith, that they'll, their, teth, their faith will be put to the test during this time period of their life. And we have a huge responsibility to, as parents to prepare them for that, to prepare them for this vicious attack or this time that they'll have to prove their faith and have to rely on and lean on the things that you've taught them all their life. So doubt is very common. It's a common thing as we look around us in the world today. And if it's not affecting you right now in your life, it probably has at some point in time. It may be affecting you right now that you're doubting in your spiritual life. As we examine the Scriptures and we think about people who struggle with doubt, you know, there's a lot of people that come to mind. Probably the first, some of the first that come to mind are the apostles. You know, Jesus told them, you have little faith. He'd tell them many times. I think of Peter and how he jumped out of the boat and started walking on water and how that he began to doubt as he looked around and he saw the waves and the wind around him and he began to sink. And I think, man, he's, he's out there doing it. He's walking on water. Why doubt now? But it's just unnatural. It's, it's, it's not normal that I would be walking on water. So he had to call out, Lord, save me. He began to doubt. Uh, probably already to your mind has come Doubting Thomas, that we often call him Doubting Thomas, and how he, he was not with the apostles as uh, the first time Jesus appeared to them after his resurrection. And he, the rest of them told him about it, and they said, well, unless I see it, he said, unless I see it myself, and I see him with my own eyes, and I touch him with my own hands, I will not believe. He was doubting. And so were the other apostles, if we go back and look at the rest of the story. But, you know, usually I don't think about John the Baptist when I think about doubt. You know, as Garen read to us this morning, we, we, Jesus described him as the greatest, one that is exceedingly mighty of, of those that were ever born. He's exceedingly great, and he struggled with doubt, something he struggled with as we do. 
As we think about what had happened with John the Baptist, recently he had baptized Christ. He had seen the Spirit of God descending from heaven like a dove and resting upon Jesus. And here in, in verses one through, or ch- John chapter one, verses twenty-one through thirty-nine, twenty-nine through thirty-four. Sorry. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes the way to sin to the world." This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not uh, know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. John saw with his own eyes. He taught. He bore witness. He saw these things. He was eyewitness of it. And he taught boldly that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He witnessed it with his own eyes. And then in this series of verses that we read this morning, before long we see that him him doubting, him asking Jesus the question, are you the one that's to come, or shall we seek another? Is it you that is the Messiah? He had boldly taught. He'd seen it with his own lies. What has changed in the last short amount of time that caused him to have uh, go from this attitude of bold confidence, this is the Son of God, and now he's questioning whether this is the Messiah or not, or should we look for another? How did John get from this? attitude or this bold belief of what he saw and regarding Christ as the lamb that has come to save this save us from the sin of the world and now doubting his own words and doubting his own teaching how did he get there what would cause this type of doubt in his heart and in his mind well there's several things that are likely causes I'm not saying all these perfectly apply to him exactly but I think there's some things that, that apply in our life that maybe cause our doubt that we can look at that probably apply to John as well. And the first thing we want to look at is the circumstances that he found himself in. In Mark chapter 6, verses 17 through 20, the Bible says, For it was Herod who had sinned and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. John found himself in an unexpected circumstance. He was out preaching, teaching the Word of God, and now he finds himself in prison, in a dungeon, in an unexpected circumstance. Have you ever found yourself in an unexpected circumstance, or maybe said to yourself, well, you know, I don't deserve this treatment. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I expected in following after Christ. Maybe I'm missing something here. Something's just not right. He found himself in an unexpected circumstance. Maybe you found yourself in an unexpected circumstance at, at times in your life. Maybe you've gone to the doctor and got that diagnosis of cancer. Maybe you've lost a, a loved one, a spouse. Maybe you've lost a job and you're just wondering, what am I going to do? How am I going to manage? What's going to happen here? What am I going to do in my life? 
We've all had circumstances that somehow have rocked our faith and rocked our world. It just changed everything in an instant, in a moment. And a lot of times that will cause us to suffer doubt, to suffer this doubt in our mind. And I want to just take a moment to commend some brethren of the High Towers. I want to commend my brother and sister-in-law, the Setliffs, and how they had received some bad and devastating news that can rock your faith, and how that they stand firm and didn't suffer much doubt. I'm sure they suffered with that a little bit, but they took the high road. They reacted and responded how we should and how we ought to. And God bless you for that. You know, John was unjustly jailed for doing what was right, for preaching and teaching those things that were right, for acting righteously, for doing the right thing. You know, maybe he, he had thought in his heart and in his, in his life about what's happening to him. John was unjustly jailed for doing the righteous and right thing. John was suffering a severe trial of imprisonment for doing what was right. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 12, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. In Acts chapter 5, verse number 41, we have a story of the apostles and how that they were uh, beaten and told not to teach and preach anymore in the name of Jesus Christ. And as they went on their way, they rejoiced that they were worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus Christ. And went on their way rejoicing and continued preaching in His name. You know, trials are an important part of our Christian life. It has rocked the faith of many people and caused them to go astray and to doubt. But that isn't the purpose of that. Jesus tells us, and we should be expecting that, hey, if we're going to live a godly life, at some point in time you are going to suffer persecution. Your faith is going to be tried. Your faith is going to be tested. And how are you going to respond? What are you going to do with that? And this, these trials and temptations, and they're designed to build our faith, to help us build character and perseverance, and not to destroy our faith and cause us to be doubtful or double-minded. That's the opposite result of what he has in mind for those things. And it's, we don't have a lot of time to get into that this morning. It's a different uh, study I have a study that I've give, uh, given not too long ago called Why, Lord, that talks about a lot of these questions. But these things are, are designed to build our faith and not cause us to doubt. In a moment, we're going to see how John and Jesus dealt with John's doubt. Another circumstance that we need to think about that was likely a part of John's um, Part of the doubt that he suffered was his isolation and loneliness. No, John was away from other believers. He's now in a dungeon. He's thrown in prison. And he's away from the encouragement and fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ like we're enjoying here this morning. He's isolated and lonely. You know, a lot of people rarely attend church. They rarely get involved and become a part of the family of God and enjoy the blessings like we are this morning. They fail to grow friendships and relationships with one another, with God's people. And you know, these college kids that we talked about this morning, one of these big statistics is, I mean, I don't need church. Why do I need to go? What's the purpose? What's the reason uh, behind doing all this? 
I have a relationship with God. I don't have to go to church to worship. You know, all these thoughts and, uh, that come to our mind, come to their mind, you know, those are foolish statements. They're untrue statements. They're statements that uh, cause a person to fall away. It's a, a bad attitude and a bad statement to make. It's just not right. What did the isolation do for John? He's isolated from his brothers, his, his disciples, from fellowship of God's people. What did it do for him? What did it cause in his, in his life? It's a foundation on which doubt can build in your heart and mind. Isolation and loneliness. It causes doubt. and It'll build on it. I want you to think about those that uh, were tempted and tried in the Bible. And I know there's many, many examples, but think about Eve. Think about the fall of man. What did Satan do? Well, he approached her when her husband wasn't around, didn't he? He told her, you're not really going to die. God's lying to you. You're going to become like God. And then she gave to her husband, and he ate of the fruit as well. What about Jesus? You know, he, had, he was hungered. He had been fasting for many days, and Satan comes to him, and what does he do? He leads him away to, a, to the temple, to the city, away from other people. He leads him away to a high mountain and shows him all the lands of the world. They just bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all this. He isolates him. He gets him alone. He gets him at a time of weakness, a time that he thinks that he can destroy his faith and he can make him doubt his Father in heaven. What about COVID? You know, if you ask many of the mega churches here in town or all over the world, what did it cause? It caused isolation and loneliness. And thousands and thousands of people have not returned to church because they're scared of what might lie or what lies ahead, what lies out in the world around them. Isolation and loneliness from other people. What does it cause? It causes doubt. It's a foundation on which doubt might build. Well, perhaps that he thinks, well, God's just not answering my prayers to get me out of prison. Perhaps he thinks, you know, Jesus is right down the road. He's doing all these good works. He's doing all these good things, and he's just leaving me here in jail. He's not doing anything for me at all. Why is that? I did all this preparation. I did all this groundwork for him, and this is the thanks I get. Maybe he truly isn't the one. I'm going to ask, you know, are you truly the one, or do we look for another? Maybe you're not, not it. It causes him to question God and question the things that he saw and believed that he was an eyewitness of. He saw it with his own heart and his own mind, his own eyes. He saw it. Have you ever felt alone and helpless and isolated? You know, we have an example, and it's interesting to see uh, Elijah is also compared to John the Baptist in 1 Kings chapter 19. You know, he was running from Ahab and Jezebel. They were seeking his life. He was, they were out to kill him. And he runs away, and he hides in a cave, and he says, God, just, just let me die. It's more than I can bear. Just take my life now. It's all I can handle. Perhaps John is suffering this same type of, of thoughts. And he said, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one that's out here preaching the Word of God. He felt alone. He felt isolated. But he wasn't. God had others that were still preaching and teaching that hadn't bowed the knee to Baal 7,000, it says there in 1 Kings chapter 19. 
But these kind of things can make you think suicidal thoughts. You know, you think of people that have this suicidal uh, thought or tendency or maybe that do take their own life. And they're usually isolated. They're alone. They're away from other people. They're not with support groups or support of people like we are here this morning. So don't be fooled and think that it's just me and God. I don't need anyone else. Isolation and loneliness can cause doubt, and it can cause destruction of your faith. It's important that we gather like we are this morning. Another uh, thing that can cause problems with our, our, our foundation is persecution and fear. Persecution and fear is another piece of that foundation that can build in our hearts and in our minds. You know, we, we, might, we become overcome and overwhelmed and we think, I can't handle this doubt. I can't handle this discouragement. I'm scared. You think about the brethren of the seven churches of Asia and how people were dying around them. Persecution was going on and Christians were being put to death and beaten and suffering in many different ways. And Jesus says, do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested for ten days, but you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. We have assurance of victory in Jesus Christ if we persevere and if we overcome. He wanted the churches in Asia to know that. He wants you to know that. A wonderful message that we've studied throughout the month of October. Jesus encourages each of the churches to fear not. Fear not. Because He brings justice, and He brings peace, and He brings victory and assurance. Another thing that John suffered from was, you know, John's circumstances were unexpected. It caused fear it caused him to question many things about life. His circumstances impacted his heart and his mind and his faith. Maybe he doubted if Jesus really was the Son of God. Are you the one or do we look for another? Which meant what? He's doubting his salvation. He's preached that this is the one that's come to seek and save those that are lost and save us from our sins. So he's doubting his salvation. He's doubting the message that he shared with others. He's doubting the things that he's seen with his own eyes. Maybe he's doubting if God can answer prayer. Maybe he's doubting what God has called him to do. The message, the purpose that he came. John's mind was consumed and overwhelmed with doubt. And what did it cause? Well, it caused instability in him. He wondered if Jesus was the one. In James chapter 1 and verse number 8, it talks about double-mindedness and doubting. And what does that cause? It says instability. It causes un you to be unstable. There's going to come a time in life when you're going to be questioned there's going to be contradiction, contradictions and questions brought up to you, objections in your faith. And are you ready for that? Are you ready to prove your own faith? You know, there's a movie that came out not too many years ago. It's called God's Not Dead. And it's a story about uh, some college-age kids, and there's, uh, they go to this philosophy class, and the professor gives them an assignment, and it says, God is dead. And he says, you prove it. Prove that he's not. 
prove that God exists, that He's real. And there's a young man in that movie that stands up and he decides that he will take the stand that God is not dead. And he said, if you don't prove it to me and change my mind and the whole class's mind, you're going to fail. You're not going to pass this class. You see how his faith was put to the test. He brought up several contradictions, several questions, a lot of uncertainty in this young man's life of of what he was going to do and how he was going to prove that, how he was going to pass the class. What am I going to do? It caused doubt. You know, in John chapter 7, verses 45 through 52, there's a man by the name of Nicodemus. And we see that this man in other places in the Scripture believed in Jesus Christ. He said, and on another occasion, in another place in Scripture, he said, we know that you're from God because of all these good works and things that you're doing. If you weren't from God, you couldn't do these things. Now, others of the scribes and Pharisees saw these good works and said, oh, he's just doing that by the power of the devil. Nicodemus didn't believe that. He didn't believe that to be true at all. He knew that wasn't true. And he sought him out on several occasions. He went to him by night, and he asked him, and seek and sought him, and asked him questions. We look in John chapter 7, verses 45 through 52. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one has ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed on him? But this crowd does not know the law and is cursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who is one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. You see the question? That's all these questions that they're bringing to mind, the uncertainty, the contradictions, the questions. At some point in time, your faith is going to be, have to be proved as well. That's exactly what's happening to these people and to Nicodemus. And it may be the religious people, the authorities, the ones that call themselves Christians that ask questions of you. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? You know, many people have stumbled over questions like this of how and why or why would God allow these terrible things to happen to good people. This type of question can be very positive if we use it to be faith-building the way God wants it to be used in our life. It can be very positive when we go to the Bible to seek and to find answers as He would have us to. It can be faith-increasing and faith-building And that's His purpose for us. But we've got to build our own faith. At some point in time, you can't keep on living off mom and daddy's faith and what they've told you, what they've taught you. Now, yeah, you've got to remember those things and you've got to look and build your own faith in your own life and be able to answer those questions and know it and live it and believe it yourself. You know, it's easy to look at a scripture like this or look at a question that would be like from religious people and authorities and say, well, you know, yeah, the Bible does say it doesn't talk about the prophet coming from Galilee. And just say, well, I I just give up. I I don't know. I, I don't understand. I don't get it. Or we'll never know. Search the Bible for answers. 
to these questions. The Bible has answers to these questions that are like this. It talks about Jesus Christ and not Him being from Galilee, but where He was born, all the prophecies that point to Him. And if they would seek it and search it and know it and find the Bible answers, they would have known that He was the Messiah and the prophet that was to come. So don't just give up. The remedy or prescription for doubt is to look through this process that John went through. To look and seek and search as he did. The prescription for doubt is John was willing to admit his doubt and seek answers. You know, John wasn't in the best place to uh, go and seek it out. He couldn't go to the local library. He's in prison. <laughs> but now he, he sends word from, uh, sends some of his disciples to seek out, are you the one or shall we seek another? He admits his doubt and he seeks to find answers even though he's not in a great circumstance in a great place to do it. You may be embarrassed by your doubt. You know, sure, we, we, if, we, if we doubt, maybe we don't want other people to know about that. We don't want people to know that I'm weak in the faith, that I'm doubting, that I'm attempting to hide this from other people. You know, just like Mike brought out the other day, we know you're messed up. <laughs> You know I'm messed up. You know we all have problems. We all are full of sin. You ain't hiding that from anybody. Everybody knows that. And Jesus tells His apostles why He spoke to them in parables in Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. There it says, Matthew uh, in 13, 10 through 17, Then the disciples came and said to Him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even that he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed... Uh, see but never perceive for this people's heart has grown dull and with their ears they can barely hear and with their eyes they cannot see or their eyes they have closed lest they should have seen with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and I would heal them but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear for truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous people have longed to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus wasn't trying to hide it from them. He wanted them to seek it out and search it. He said their, eye, their eyes have, have gone blind. Their ears are deaf. They won't hear. They won't receive the message, even though it's obvious. And I want them to seek and to look for the answers, to find it, and to not be doubtful. In Matthew 7, in 7, verses 7 through 8, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. If you seek and are looking for Jesus Christ in the right place in the Scriptures, you'll find Him. You'll find the answers. He wants you to know. He's not trying to hide it from you. He wants you to know and to seek after Him and, and to have a relationship with Him. 
So he calls us to examine the evidence and remember, just like he did to John. He said, you go tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight. Those that are deaf, hear again. Lepers are cleansed. The dead are raised up. The good news is preached to the poor. He said, you go and tell him what you see and hear. Examine the evidence. He's telling John to remember all the things that he knows that are true. The things that he's seen God do. What God has done, what He's currently doing, and what He'll do in the future. Remember those things, He says. Jesus is jogging John's memory. Remember those things that you see. Forgetting to remember is a huge cause of doubt. You ever forget to remember something? (laughs) I guess we do that all the time. We must make an intentional effort, an intentional time, to reflect on what God has done for us. This do in remembrance of me. Jesus has set up a a memorial that we would remember what He's done for us every first day of the week. That we would come together, that we would focus on His sacrifice and what He's done, focus on my life, the changes I need to make. What a wonderful memory He has set up for us that we would examine the evidence remember. It's time to remember the importance of counting our blessings and things He's done for us. He says to John, pay attention to what you hear and what you see. Use your senses. Be reminded of what God has done, of God's power. The evidence of God is everywhere that you look. You know, one of the biggest evidences of of God is creation, is the world all around us. In Psalm chapter 19, verses 1-4, through it talks about the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims His handiwork. The day and the night we see around us and it reveals His knowledge, reveals His wisdom. Even creation itself itself screams out to us, there is a God. It is true. Don't doubt. God wants you to seek. He wants you to examine. He wants you to uh, face the evidence that's around us, and believe. God is not asking for blind faith in which there's no evidence at all. There's a lot of evidence if we'll go seek it out. Search for the answers to these questions. And you know, a lot of people that didn't believe in Jesus Christ and are looking for answers to questions like we've asked this morning, how or why would God allow us to do, to do this? When they're searching for those answers, atheists have turned into believers in Jesus Christ because they found the answers to these questions. And it causes us to believe, and be a, a believer in Him, and to not doubt. So in conclusion, you know, don't feel bad if, if you doubt. Doubting doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you less of a Christian. The greatest among men, John the Baptist, doubted. And that should give us some, some hope in the face of doubt. Doubt can be a positive thing if it leads us to look to the right answers, to examine the evidence in the pursuit of truth and pursuit of God. And it can be very faith-building. When we're searching for those answers, we find them in Jesus Christ. But when we leave it alone and we just leave it uh, hidden, trying to hide it, it can fester, it can consume, it can grow in our heart and in our mind, and it can lead to the destruction of our faith if we don't watch it. If we let that doubt grow and we build, let that foundation build in our lives. So 
Or are you struggling with doubt this morning? You know, a quote is, doubt can be like cancer. We can pretend it's not there until it kills us. So don't just pretend it's not there. Seeking out the answers like John did, like Nicodemus did, like God would have us to do. Examine the evidence and be, don't be doubting, but be believing. You know, we talked about doubting Thomas earlier, and you remember the words that Jesus told doubting Thomas? Be not faithless, but, or doubting, but be believing. Believe what you see and what you hear. Examine the evidence. Be strong in your faith. I hope that some of the things we brought forth this morning have been beneficial to you. And again, if you're struggling with doubt, the church is here for you. Jesus is here for you. We have nothing to offer but Jesus Christ. We can pray for you. We can help you through that. If you're struggling with doubt or you're struggling with anything that the church can help you with, please come forward as we stand and sing together this morning.